following is a special presentation of the Mars Attacks podcast, member of Talking Metal Digital. Hey, this is Michael Lando from Adrenaline Mob. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick. Hey, everyone, this is Dave Menachetti from Y&T. Hi, this is Chris Poland. Hey, this is George Lynch, Lynch Mob, talking and all kinds of other projects. Hey, pay attention. This is Joe Stump. You're listening to Mars Attacks Podcast. This is Mark Zavon from Kill Devil Hill. G'day, this is Guy from Avon. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. This is Chris from In This Moment. Hey, this is Ron Bumblefoot, fan of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, this is Carolina Peace, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yow! Hi, yeah, okay, so hey, this is Paul Shortino. How you doing? Formerly a rough guy, Quiet Riot, and currently with King Cobra. You're listening to Mars Attack. <laughs> Welcome one and all. Happy New Year and all that great stuff. This is Mars Attacks episode 97. I'm your host, Victor M. Ruiz. And what we're going to do is bring you my top 10 of 2014. Now, it's customary for most people to put these top 10 lists out or year or best of year albums out. Uh, sometime in December, I've seen people do it in November. And I don't know, I've just never thought that was a cool idea because you still have albums that are coming out towards the end of the year. And in a lot of instances, you don't remember them for next year because you look at a list and you see, you know, a bunch of different things on there. And there are albums that you say, wow, this came out in, you know, 2013. It came out, you know, you don't even realize it came out in December after your list. So you just automatically forget about it. You know, there's... Um, there's one Rage Against the Machine album that came out in late December, if I'm not mistaken. I I may be mixing the group up, but it was left off of a lot of people's albums list at the time. That's debatable. People can say that it's not on there because they don't dig it. But uh, a lot of people I remember at the time saying, well, you know, you guys forgot this album. Well, no, it's from last year. Well, actually, your cutoff date was... You know, before the album came out. So technically it would be part of next year's thing. So so I've never been about, you know, doing the year-end review until the year is done. Now that we have the books closed on 2014, let's take a look back and see what a great year in music we had. I always think that there's something good to find everywhere And there's a lot of new bands or things that have fallen under my radar previously that, you know, that maybe I get caught on that uh, or that I catch on to that maybe I was ignorant to before. Uh, There's a lot of the same old, same old that, um, uh, that perhaps you could say that I list or, or whatnot, but there's so many things that come out. And it's difficult to make one of these lists to, you know, make everyone happy. Um, You know, and and it's funny because you look at some of these metal sites and people are ridiculous because, well, what kind of a list am I going to put together? Um, Let me see. I can't 
put anything on there that's going to affect my metal cred. So let me see. Um, my favorite album of the year is Anal Fisher and Cult of the Pains from Bowel Movement. And it's just stupid shit like that. You know, yeah, you know, that that, that was a cool album. Who the fuck heard it? You know, give me a break. Uh, you know, and, and this is all subjective. It's all about opinion. And if you like some obscure cult death metal or black metal or even something else, you know, then then that's cool. And like I'm saying, you know, there, there are things on here that I didn't get to check out. So or that I didn't wasn't able to give it enough of a listen to. So I didn't list it. Um, these are albums that I listened to quite a few times and uh, have, you know, put put a reasonable list together of songs that I actually dig off of these albums. And what I intend on doing is putting a uh, playlist up on MarsAttacksRadio.com that will link you over to Spotify uh, so that you can listen to tracks off of various albums that I've enjoyed that maybe haven't even made, you know, my top 10 list. I mean, I, I put a top 20 list together. And I mean, if if we want to be honest about this, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do twenty through eleven right now, just to let you know what what I really dug. Um, for me, twenty would be Orange Goblin back from back from the abyss. Excuse me. Uh, Nineteen would be Black Label Society, Catacombs of the Vatican. I know a lot of people pan this album, but to me, it's one of the strongest BLS albums. A lot of people, you know, that I that I know will say, oh, you know, Zach just put out another album. I actually really like the album. It's got a lot of cool tracks, a lot of strong tracks that I feel other albums that have received more notoriety do not have. Uh, At 18, uh, here's one that a lot of people will ask me to trade my metal cred in for or may say that it's too corporate or whatnot. But, man, I've always loved this band since their inception. Chevelle. The name of their latest album is... La Gargola. Um, 17, Overkill with White Devil Army. Man, Overkill always, always, always brings their A game. And unfortunately, there have been a lot of other albums that I've really liked a lot more than than this album this year. It isn't to say that it isn't a great album. Uh, I really love what they've done, especially since they've brought Ron Lipnicki on board and uh, you know, Ron is a great guy. He's uh, a friend of friends. And that's not the only reason why I love what he's done in the band. I think he's taken the band to another level, to be honest with you. And, you know, uh, how great has Ironbound been and Electric Age and now this album, uh, White Devil Armory. At 16, an album that has really grown on me over the last few weeks Machine Head, Bloodstone, and Diamonds. This is a really cool album. And to me, my my biggest issue with this album is that as much as Machine Head innovated, not so much innovated, well, yeah, they innovated. They, They took what other people did, made it their own. But I think they will always have the Burning Red backlash where no matter what they do, it will be scrutinized. And people will always say, oh, well, you know, they sold out. And they were able to get, you know, win their crowd back 
with From Ashes of Empires and especially with the Blackening. But with their album after that, um, the the Locust album, I, I forget the entire title of it. I think that you know they took a step back, and their immediate knee jerk reaction was to put out something that was a lot safer for them and a lot more along the lines of what people are used to hearing from them. So um, not not to knock the album in, in any sense because I think there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. It, it just some some of the comments made by Rob Flynn, for example, I question where he's. Uh, judging other bands or whatnot when he's doing a lot of the same shit. So um, there you have it. Uh, let's see, 15. Man, a, an album that really surprised me, Sanctuaries, the year of, oh, excuse me, the year the sun died. Okay, I am not a World Dane fan. You know, um, what always turned me off with Nevermore, I always loved the music, but I couldn't get into his voice. And I love the way this album sounds. There, There's a lot of different melodies and a lot of different things that he's incorporated that I think really make the album stand out. I'm not an old school Sanctuary fan. So, I mean, this is like the first album that I've really sat down and absorbed. And, you know, there, there could be people out there that say, oh, man, the album sucks in comparison to this or that. Hey, I liked it. To me, it would be 15 on my list of, you know, 2014. At 13, or no, at 14, I'm skipping over it. Thomas Giles, Modern Noise. Thomas Giles is the lead singer of Between the Buried and Me. This album also surprised the hell out of me. This is an album that had it have come out in the 70s, and mind you, it does have some, like, Depeche Mode sounding songs, uh, some electronic feel. Um, or industrial feel going on in certain songs. But if this album came out in the 70s, man, the, I think this album would have been huge just for how how much of a, uh, of a variety of material he's providing, how different a musical landscape this album is. I think it's a great, great album that I'll be listening to for albums or for years um, to come. Uh, what I was thinking about there is this seems to me like the typical album that when it initially came out it doesn't rate as high on my list initially well it for me it's 14 but it's an album that grows on me and in years to come it becomes one of my favorites uh where i look back and and do maybe a you know half decade review and it's on you know on that list but uh but we'll see um next group I'm not sure how to pronounce this. It's spelled S-A-H-G. That may be just how it's pronounced as well. There's Delusions of Grandeur. Uh, my good friend Big Mario from the band Hell's Fire uh, knew about this band for quite a while. And I posted something on Facebook about them. And he's like, oh, you got to check this other album out. Um, definitely, uh, I mean, Delusions of Grandeur, another uh, another album that really caught me because I was ignorant to the fact that the band previously existed. So I really enjoyed this album. Thought it was really, really good. Number 12 is something that I've had since November of 2013. Red Dragon Cartel. It's something that initially... 
I, I was cold towards because I was waiting for a new Jakey Lee album. Jake is one of my all-time favorite guitarists. And I honestly hate the way the Kevin Cherko uh, drum sound uh, comes off. I think that with the last few Ozzy albums, I think with some of the Black Label albums, his drum sound is just too generic. It's almost the Bob Rock, uh, Mutt Lang type thing, and I know that they all came from that sort of school. <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, he did work with Mutt Lang at one point. So, I mean, I understand where it's coming from. The album took me a while to get into, but once I really opened my mind to it and started listening to it objectively, I really started to like the album. There's a lot of strong tracks that uh, that I like since the, since the beginning, like the... Uh, track with Robin Zander on it from Cheap Trick, um, the, the the track that um, that he does with Sass Jordan is really cool as well. The track that um, that kicks off the album, uh, Deceived, uh, which a lot of people initially were like, oh, well, that's a Bark at the Moon ripoff, and Jake even admits he says, you know, I haven't used anything like this in a while, so I thought it would be cool. To include it, and that's sort of an you know an understatement because he hasn't been heard of in a while. But um, anyway, yeah. And then the KXM album, and and this is weird because a lot of these albums throughout the year were you know in my top ten, and then there are a few things that really creeped in at the end that I started to listen to that really really push these out and and I really got into so um yeah I think this year was a really great year for music the KX album, album is just fantastic I mean when you want a super group to come together if you want to use that term you want it to sound like the sum of all the individual parts I would think not you know you have a bunch of great components and then it turns out that they just sound like the same old, same old band with a, you know, with your mandatory cover thrown in there of some ultra hip track that has been on the radio for eons. So they record a cover that gets them some airplay and, you know, it doesn't go any farther than that. That's that's the majority of supergroups. KXM to me, you can feel and hear George Lynch is playing. You can, I mean, Ray Luzier is just ridiculous on this. I'm a huge Ray Luzier fan. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest drummers of the last, you know, 25 years. Just how he plays, he fits into any situation, and he still adds his own little thing to it. If you listen to his playing in Corn or Army of Anyone, man, you know it's him. You know it the different, you know, ways that he throws in... Um, just a different flavor that he does with this the syncopated um hi hat combination with the um with the ride cymbal and the splashes he's just has a certain delivery and feel to his playing that just makes him very unique and at the same time again he can fit into any situation like the Dave Lee Roth band so um and of course Doug Pinnock you know just great melodies great voice great bass playing um yeah so uh anyway uh, once again, before we jump into the music, want to remind you guys to check out MarsAttacksRadio.com. 
subscribe to us via iTunes also um, or Stitcher or we have a link so that you can just get our RSS and use whatever other uh, podcasting program you would like to use uh, to listen to the show. You could also download or listen to it directly from MarsAttacksRadio.com. So if you don't want to download and you just want to you know, pull up the page and listen, maybe you can't access your usual podcasting you know, formats from your regular website or from work or whatever, I mean. Uh, you could do it from the website. Um, what else? Check out our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. You have the Google Plus page as well. It is plus uh, Mars Attacks Radio. Uh, Google Plus forward slash plus Mars Attacks Radio. You know, if you're on Google Plus, you know what I mean. Uh, Twitter is Mars Aries 2005. In any event, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. You'll find all that great stuff on the right-hand side of the homepage. Um, you'll also find all the great different series that we've started, the classic album series, Decades, Warship Music, and the My Favorite Kiss series. Been getting some great feedback from listeners and other show hosts regarding the various new episodes of these series that have started up. And we'll have another we'll have another volume or episode of the Worship Music coming to you soon, which features Guillermo Izquierdo, or Izquierdo, as I would say it in Spanish, uh, from the group Angelus Apatrida. Uh, they're about to release a great new album called Hidden Evolution, which will more than likely be on next year's top ten list. It would be in my top five this year um, easily. Because the album is just that good. It is awesome. But um, anyway, just go to MarsTaxRadio.com for any additional information that you want regarding the show, where to listen to it, where to download, or where to find certain artists that you're interested in hearing about. Maybe you missed out on one of the classic albums. And didn't know that we had an episode on Metallica or Van Halen. Uh, so just check that out. And without further ado, we are going to get into this year's top 10 for me. This is subjective. This is my opinion. This isn't me trying to be cult or anything else like that. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not up here trying to say, hey man, you got to check out the latest malevolent flatulence album you know um and it's the only way that you know my cred is gonna be it's gonna maintain itself i have no cred damn it so here we go especially a lot of people are gonna poo-poo this first one but screw it i enjoy the album coming off of black widow in this moment from schenectady schenectady new york uh, in this moment, name of this track is Big Bad Wolf.
Like my good friend Aaron Camaro from the Despo Geek podcast would say, yeah, that is in this moment with Big Bad Wolf. Next up, number nine. Man, this band I wanted to pan initially just because the previous supergroup, quote-unquote, just didn't live up to... Up to what I I thought the band should live up to, you know. The uh, this is the opposite of KXM. The parts did not, you know, it didn't sum up to much. Um, man, when you have Glenn Hughes, Jason Bonham, uh, Joe Bonamassa, and you have um, uh, Derek Sherinian in a band. Man, you're you're thinking it's going to really knock your doors off. And wow, there were, out of three albums, maybe four tracks that I really enjoyed. Everything else was just sort of blonde, in my opinion. I mean, it was like Chicken Foot Part 2. Uh, but this album, man, Andrew Watt is just absolutely ridiculous on this. To most people, he's an unknown guitarist. And with this album, it seems like he took a take-no-prisoners attitude and really had no pressures or or any BS on what they really needed to amount to, you know, where I think with um, Black County or, yeah, Black Country Commune or, or whatever they're called, BCC, it really seemed like it never, you know, it started to get going, but it never really reach the full potential you know you never got that money shot uh right off the bat man with with california breed uh, uh, just the first thing that i heard to me is one of the best songs that i've heard in the last i don't know how many years Uh, i always like to use the term infectious because the track is just infectious to me when i hear this chorus I have it going on over and over and over again, man. It is just that good. And that's what you want from a song, you know, regardless of, you know, if the band has cred or not or or this or that, regardless of what the members are, who the band is, if the song speaks to you and it gets stuck in your head, man, that's the most important thing. And to me, this song, this track, Sweet Tea, by California Breed is definitely one of the best tracks to come out this year. And to me, this album, chocked full of great, great tracks. Man, it's difficult for me to put it at nine, but there's so many other great things that came out this year. It was hard, you know, to place anywhere else, in my opinion. But here we go, a little sweet tea from California Breed.
Yes, sir. A little California breed there at number nine. Number eight. If you're a fan of the show, you know that I'm not the biggest, you know, extreme per se metal fan out there. And what can I say? Um, everyone was talking about the At The Gates reunion and how this new album was coming out. And a lot of people have it as the number one album of the year, I think, for nostalgia's sake. And because they were expecting it to be just such a huge album. I didn't feel it because there are other bands in this genre of this ilk that that I prefer, you know. Um, I don't know, call me weird or whatnot, but, you know, I've heard other bands that have come out recently that do the same exact thing that At The Gates are doing. Maybe they're the original band, but if I take, for example, Black Sabbath and listen to 13, I think it's a great album. You know, I think it fits in nice with their catalog. is isn't the greatest thing that they've put out, but it still has a lot of really, really good material on there. I don't know if I look at a, a big whole subgenre that is black metal, the At The Gates album just does nothing for me. Now, if if I want to throw up my metal cred now, uh, it's going to be Behemoth. Man, this album, from the first time that I listened to it, I knew it was going to be in my top ten. It was that good. And again, this isn't a genre of music or subgenre or whatever that I've gravitated to ever, but this album, from the first listen, for some reason... It just had a sort of conviction. It just had, you know, it just had something that captivated me. And the entire album is just so good front to back. And, you know, after Nurgle's battle with cancer and just reading different things in the press where it's interesting. He has a very... Not a similar take on black metal, but he's he says that it hasn't become or that it is no longer exciting what other bands are doing that, you know, bands that he listened to growing up had melodies, had different things that made them stand out and that all of the other, you know, black metal that he's listening to nowadays, it all just sounds the same. They've forgotten about metal melody, excuse me, they've forgotten about various aspects that really pulled him towards the genre. Um, so, yeah, I agree with, I agree with that. Uh, anyway, what we're going to get into here is a track off of The Satanist from Bohemoth. Uh, this is the track that kicks off the entire album, was the first thing that I heard off of the album. It is Blow Your Trumpets, Gabriel.
a little behemoth there coming off of my number eight selection for 2014 off of the Satanist. That was Blow Your Trumpets, Gabriel. Up next, another album that I love, man. This band rebounded in a big way. Was lucky enough to speak to one of their main components, guitarist Ernie C of the band Body Count. I've been a big fan from the beginning, and this is the first album that they've put out that really uh, brings the band close to what what they did off of their first album, uh, Cop Killer. And you know, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, that that album or that track, the title track, is no longer for sale. And you know, with everything that's going on now with riots and this and that, and I don't want to get too political because you know I don't want to get myself into trouble I think everyone's lives matters and you know yeah let's leave it at that anyway uh, with with the album Cop Killer or with the, the first Body Count album um, were people in uproar when you know, when Talking Heads released Psycho Killer, when Iron Maiden's rele- when Iron Maiden released the the track, you know, Killers, when Edgar Allan Poe released his poetry, when you know Anthony Hopkins wore uh, someone's skin on his face as a mask in Silence of the Lambs. To me, music is just another art form, and. A lot of what body count does is to elicit emotions out of people, to elicit different things that, you know, to get people upset and get them paying, get you paying attention. No different to what Slayer does. So, I mean, uh, someone can be a Slayer fan and like Angel of Death, but all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're playing on a stereotype and... And you're putting out a song called Cop Killer. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't get the the disconnect there. Why certain things are cool and certain things aren't. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'll am i get myself into trouble for saying that. But, you know, I don't know. There has to be a point where you have to be able to be an adult and sort of separate facts from fiction uh, is there a part of society that thinks what they are saying in that song is correct? Sure, there there is. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, say that there isn't. I'm not gonna be ignorant to that fact. Did that track fuel people to go out and do stuff like that? Let's be honest. Body count. How you know? I realize that's made up of iced tea and. Ernie C and you know a bunch of various um, you know now they've got a Latino in the band but you know it was originally made up by all African Americans um, but the type of music that they're playing appeals more to white people you know I'm sorry that's just how it is and you know did the lyrics of Cop Killer make some white kid pick up a gun and shoot a cop? I mean, I don't know. It could be. You know, anything is possible. But I have a hard time believing that that 
track actually fueled someone, you know, at a party to get all riled up and go out and shoot someone. So, anyway, long-winded speech and, you know, I think, again, freedom of speech and all that stuff is good and, you know, you just have to be, you just have to know how to interpret things correctly, I think. Um, anyway, back to the list here. We're getting off track. Uh, for me, Body Counts Manslaughter is album number seven of the year. This track is, is a 180 from Cop Killer in the sense that it is something that was written for uh, our friends in the military. The name of this track is I Will Always Love You. This is Body Count. This song is dedicated to the heroes. The real heroes. The young men and women that have given their life and risked their life for this country. Thought you knew everything. Dropped out of school at 17. Tried to get a job at an early age But no diploma means minimum wage Bumped into a military recruiter Said this ain't no game, no first person shooter With high school you missed it So that day you enlisted First day off the cattle truck Basic training, scared as fuck Drill instructors, demons from hell You never forget once you hear them yell Six weeks of torture drives you insane March, run, march, train You ask yourself why the fuck you came Lock and load 30 rounds, watch your lane I, I always will love you
Afghanistan has been going on so long now that many of the men and women fighting it were still in grade school when it started. The war has receded to the background with many Americans preoccupied with daily life and caught up in other news. But nine years in, this war has now hit a new level of ferocity as U.S. forces meet the Taliban head-on and casualties mount. This goes out to my fellow vets. Sometimes you come home, you don't get the respect you deserve. You don't get the love and the praise that you should. Well, I'm here to give it to you right now. A lot of times people don't realize that the freedoms we have here, people have fought, died for, given their lives. Come on, man. I love you. Body count with I will always love you. The track to me has more fact to it than the track Cop Killer does. But anyway, that's a debate for another day. Uh, let's move into number six. This is a band, another super group, um, Killer Be Killed. When I first heard about the band, I was skeptical because... Man, again, I was waiting for them to have, you know, some, some like, uber-popular, like, thing where they were trying to catch on to some type of a fad or, or, or whatnot, or I, I don't know. I, I didn't know what to expect, and, and I really wanted to be surprised, and, and man, was I ever. I, I really liked the way that... You know, the vocals are handled with this band, and it is a great, great album. If you haven't checked it out, I truly uh, recommend that you do so. If you hit on the link at the bottom to go to our Amazon store and purchase the album, you'd be doing us a great, great favor. Uh, But anyway, the name of the album is Killer Be Killed. This is Killer Be Killed, and the name of this track, no, it is not Killer Be Killed. Um, bands don't do that anymore, man. They don't They do not do, you know, Iron Maiden, doing Iron Maiden off of Iron Maiden, you know? <laughs> so, anyway, name of this track is Melting of My Marrow by Killer Be Killed. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, smart as I am, I should have mentioned who was in the band, who was in Kill or Be Killed. Uh, the components of the band are, and I said they're a super group. Uh, I never pronounce his name right. Greg Puchado, I guess it is, from Morse Plains, New Jersey's own Dillinger Escape Plan. You have... You have Max Cavalera, obviously, of Soulfly and Sepultura fame. You also have Troy Sanders from Mastodon, who truly makes the album for me with his vocals. And you have Mars Volta drummer Dave Elich. Anyway, moving on down. Instead of moving on up like the Jeffersons, we are back to our... Top albums of 2014. We are up to number five. Now, I have to say that the top seven... Nah, I can't say that. Well, I have to say that there are certain albums that really stood a cut above the rest throughout the year. This one snuck in at the last possible moment. It is a double album, the second album for people that don't know, Joey from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. It is the the continuation of the Ziltoid series by um, (laughs) Devin Townsend. So yeah, that's where the Z comes from, Ziltoid 2. So the first half is a regular uh, Devin Townsend project album. The second half is a continuation of Ziltoid. So that's why it's like a, a rock opera type deal. So, so yeah, sorry for throwing you under the bus there, Joey, but that's what it is. Um, anyway, this album is really, really cool. Uh, you know, with the Devin Townsend stuff, to me, either, either, either the stuff is just over the top good where, you know, nothing can touch it or, or very few albums can touch it. Or it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't, just doesn't appeal to me. It's, it's, it's either hit or miss for me. And uh, the second part of Z2 is, is pretty cool, you know. For, for me, I probably will not listen to it again. But the first part is something that I will be listening to for years to come. Uh, let's go with the track... Universal Flame by the Devon Townsend Project.
a little Devon Townsend project with Universal Flame coming off of the first part of the Z2 album. Moving along to our top four. At number four, we have someone who technically has already appeared on the list, or a member of a band that's technically appeared on the list. That would be Troy Sanders of Killer Be Killed. Mastodon, Once Around the Sun, uh, an album that, you know, we still have fans that you just don't get it, do you? Where uh, the band keeps saying, hey, you know, we did Leviathan, we're not going to do that again. Um, we're, you know, we, we're sort of going more towards our influences and what we grew up sounding or what we, Jesus, we're going to sound like what we grew up listening to. So, uh, there you go. Uh, the album by Mastodon is Once Round the Sun. And we're going to get into a track called Ember City. <laughs> Oh, 
All right, so there you go. A little Mastodon coming off of Once Round the Sun. Uh, that is Ember City. And let's take a look back at the top 10 so far, I should say. Uh, coming in at 10, In This Moment with Black Widow. Number 9, California Breed with their self-titled debut, California Breed. Number 8, Behemoth with The Satanist. Number seven, Body Count with Manslaughter. Number six, Killer Be Killed with their self-titled debut, Killer Be Killed. Almost choked there. <laughs> number five, Devin Townsend Project with Z2. And number four, Once Round the Sun by Mastodon. Before getting into the top three... Let me let you in on, on some non-hard rock and metal albums that I dug this year. Really enjoyed the Brody Dale uh, Diploid Love album. Thought that was really, really cool. Could really... And I'm going to get shot for this, possibly, because a lot of people think that things are guilty by association. I don't know. I sort of picked out a Josh Homme-type influence on some of the tracks. Others, not so much. But, um, you know, a lot of people get upset. Oh, no, no, we weren't going for that. Well, it sort of blood through there. Uh, Flyleaf, Between the Stars, an album that I once again got duped into crowdfunding. Was really pissed off with how that turned out. Uh, as with another album by Canadian band The Birthday Massacre, which is an even bigger clusterfuck, and, uh, which is why... Outside of select bands, uh, I'm not going to be doing this crowdfunding stuff anymore. I mean, it just annoys me to all hell, especially the Birthday Massacre. Their manager just professes on Pledge Music like they're like he's fucking George Martin, man. I'm sorry, the fucking music industry has changed, motherfucker. You know, it's just how it is. The band is not that big. They have a select number of fans don't fuck them over i mean give me a break with flyleaf same thing happened you pledge on an album the album comes out and you don't receive the the, the cd until three to four fucking weeks after it's out in the store why the fuck are you asking your fans for their money if you're not going to come through on your damn pledges with birthday massacre there's this big clusterfuck now about things that the band could have controlled you know they scheduled skype calls and this and that and i didn't purchase any of that shit but people did and it's i don't know how much later than what was originally promised i mean get on the fucking ball people that are purchasing your crowdfunding stuff are your diehard fans that are actually going out to your shows and they're actually paying for you to put food on your fucking table don't fuck with them shit <laughs> As George Carlin would say, I get pissed, God damn it. But, yeah, I mean, the last few years has really soured me with this whole crowdfunding thing. Don't get me started on Quiet Riot now. But anyway, fuck. Uh, very few bands know what they're doing with this stuff. You know, very few bands really go out there and give you you know, your your money's worth and really pull through with what they originally promised. 
you know? Um, anyway, moving forward, Billy Idol, Kings and Queens of the Underground. Man, what a cool first half of the album. Second half is, eh, it's all right. But it's just an awesome album. I don't think he's ever going to be able to surpass what he did with Devil's Playground. Devil's Playground was a return to form by him, and it really has a lot of, like, hard rock aspects to it. It's a really great album if you haven't checked it out. Really recommend you doing so. The much maligned U2 album, Songs of Innocence. I'm a big U2 fan, and I got to say, the album is pretty good, (laughs) you know? A lot of people got pissed off. I know Sharon Osbourne got her panties in a wad there, but come on. Had you thought of it and had Ozzy have been downloaded onto millions and millions and the millions of iTunes subscribers, um phones and iTunes, you know, program and and their iPods and whatnot. No, not in their iPods because you got to transfer it over. But if you have an iPod Touch, I guess it would automatically download. But come on. If any other band had thought of it, if Sharon Osbourne had thought of it, it would have been cool. Whatever band was the first to pull something like this was going to get shit on. Bottom line. The album has some really good tracks on it. If you're a fan of U2, check it out. Shit, if you have iTunes, you got it for free. So, Or actually, you may not have it for free anymore, but you had your chance. Number two, Foo Fighters, Sonic Highways, man. Foo Fighters had pissed me off for so long until, um, until they put out the Back and Forth documentary. And that really sort of rejuvenated me with the band. Um, I didn't get into Wasting Light until way after the album came out. My typical reaction were people saying, it's so great, it's so great, it's so great. I didn't want anything to do with it. I finally listened to it, and I really, really enjoyed it. So, Sonic Highways, such a cool documentary and album. The documentary is, to me, better than the album, but... Um, the album is still good. It's not wasting light. It's a good, solid album. And what a history lesson, man. The album is just, or the documentary, I should say, is just ridiculous. With just things that were brought up, that that were mentioned, that just so, I don't know, there were just so many things that I was able to learn. My biggest beef with the whole documentary is Mother Love Bone got a shout out with being painted on a wall. Um, that, you know, Mother Love Bone would have been huge, I think. I think most people would agree with that. Uh, Temple of the Dog was huge as a result and Pearl Jam, you know, <laughs> as a result afterwards. So, um, also... Why no love for Queensryche, man? Queensryche was huge for, you know, a decade there. And I think they had a lot to do with, you know, similar to what they said about Heart. Heart wasn't around. Queensryche wasn't around either, I would guess. So it maybe didn't have the same type of influence as some of the other bands that they touch upon. But still, uh, cool album, Sonic Highways. Check it out. And... What would be my favorite non-hard rock or metal album? <laughs> Chris from Decibel Geek thought I was pulling his leg. No. 
Information Society. Hello World, man. A band that got crowdfunding right. There were three acts that got it right this year, in my opinion. Information Society, because you got updates almost every single day. You got videos. You got uh, remixes. You got a bunch of different things where it wasn't like... You know, birthday massacre. Hey, here's a shot of Chibi that we're not going to include anywhere else. Hey, let's just give it to the fans. Tell them it's a, it's a bonus. Man, no one's that stupid. Uh, I guess there are people that stupid, but whatever. Information Society. A synth pop band from the uh, late 80s. Big Depeche Mode influence, which is why I've always dug them. Have everything they've ever put out. Uh, even their industrial phase there. But, um, yeah, the, the, again, they did things the right way. They had some unique packages. They, they had a, a fucking pedal that was released, where it, which was used, which is handmade and used by the band to create some of the music that you hear on the album. So how cool is that? Um, another person that got their stuff together was uh, Ricky Warwick. A lot of you know him from Black Star Riders. Um, I've always been a fan all the way back to The Almighty. The Almighty is one of my all-time favorite bands. And he put out a double album. Same deal, man. He was posting videos of him uh, doing acoustic renditions of old Almighty songs or some of the tracks that appear on the album in his um, uh, in his stairwell in California and just different things with different videos and different shout outs that were taking place between him and different people that contributed to the album. I think that's what you want from these crowdfunding campaigns. And lastly, man, one of the greatest eighties pop albums, rock albums, I would say it's a rock album and it gets more notoriety because of the track relax, but Frankie goes to Hollywood. Welcome to the pleasure dome. If you're a fan of any sort of rock music, forget about Relax, forget about some of, you know, um, some of the things you may have heard from your friends or this or that. Check the album out. It is one of the best, in my opinion, rock albums to come out in the 80s. And they re-released it on vinyl, the full album, because the album had been discatalogued for such a long time. My vinyl box set is still sealed. Once I finally get a turntable, I will open it, and it contains six vinyls inside. So uh, they did it right, man. They, they did a limited run of 200 vinyls, which you'll not be able to find anywhere else. And it isn't one of these shit deals where you're buying something, and everyone's going to have it. You know, even Smashing Pumpkins did a pre-order for their last album through uh, Pledge Music. And, yeah, okay, they were offering T-shirts and posters that you wouldn't find anywhere else. But, man, people want to hear music. Give us, you know, instead of releasing a deluxe issue, you know, or deluxe version years down the road, man, give people a double CD. Make them buy it. And if it comes out 15 years from now, so be it. But for now, let the diehards have that stuff, you know? So, anyway... Reason I paused at number three, to me, number three stood head and shoulders in what was being played in my car, on my phones, on my iPod all year. 
and uh, we're gonna start out by an album, and these three could be interchangeable by all means because I think all three of these albums are just phenomenal. They're just fantastic. Coming in at number three, someone I had the pleasure of interviewing, Monty Pittman, with his album, The Power of Three. And we are going to get into, man, there's so much good stuff on this album. It's it's just ridiculous because this is another album that is an old school album that takes you through various peaks and valleys, takes you to different places that... You know, it, it makes you think, you know, why why is the album dead? You know, why is the album art form dead? Why are bands not putting out full albums that are really worthwhile? You know, and I think Monty Pittman makes a strong point during, uh, d- during my interview with him. You know, what... People record albums so that the entire album is taken in, like a soundtrack. And if you were, you know, with how iTunes has evolved and how music has evolved with YouTube and everything else, you're listening to one track at a time. And you're not getting the whole concept that's being laid out, the whole soundscape that's laid out for you. A lot of times it's the fault of the artist, it's the fault of the label, but this album is stacked through and through. His analogy is you wouldn't go to iTunes to just get that one punchline from a comedy. You want to watch the entire comedy. Sometimes comedies aren't that good to watch the entire thing or movies in general. So, you know, you could it's subjective again and you could go one way or the other with it. But anyway, the track that really, really, really got me stoked on this album is A Dark Horse, which is the lead-off track from uh, from the Monty Pittman album. Uh, Before the Morning Sun is another really great track. I mean, Away From Here, which sounds like... Sounds like Foo Fighters, to be honest. Blood Hungry Thirst, every, Everything's Done. I mean, so many great tracks off of this. Um, so anyway, let's, let's get into a dark horse. Um, difficult for me to choose just one, uh, has guest appearances by Alex Skolnick and Chris Barnes on it. So if you want some metal cred, there you go. Um, anyway, here we go. Monty Pittman off of the power of three. This is a dark horse.
track just makes you want to sweat baby great track uh great album if you haven't checked it out check out monty Pittman's the power of three he's touring with ministry or he will be touring with ministry shortly number two a band that i missed out on and man was i pissed that i had uh, some physical issues earlier this year Fell off of a ladder. Ladder broke. Fell. Snapped some muscles or ripped some muscles in my calf and could not make it out to the Overcoat Prong show. What a kick-ass show that would have been. But um, anyway, the Prong album, number two on my list, Ruining Lives. Um, Again, another album, man. What do I play off of this? Just so many cool tracks. Um, I remember reading that they were going to be coming out with a new album and I saw the, the download link and, and I was like, well, you know, I don't know. Let's, you know, what, what do I play? Um, but yeah, um, I'm jumping all over the place here being spastic. Um, yeah, I, I heard turnover and I was like, what the hell is this? Are you kidding me? You know, Tommy Victor has really taken his vocals to another level on this album, in my opinion. Um, this album has just so much good material on it. 
And, you know, again, since coming back, since coming back from the abyss there, you know, um, he's really done a lot of really good things with, I mean, the previous album, Carved Into Stone, was just ridiculous. And this is just a continuation. If you haven't checked it out, if you're remotely a fan of the band, really do yourself a favor and check out Ruining Lives. We're going to go with the title track, Ruining Lives. Um, really one of my favorites uh, to come out this year. And uh, check it out. This is Ruining Lives from Prong coming off of Ruining Lives.
So the time has come to divulge number one. Let's take a look back at our top five there. We had the Devin Townsend Project with Z2. We had Mastodon with Once Around the Sun. Monty Pittman with The Power of Three. Prong with Ruining Lives. And number one, as some of you might expect, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind, or the one of my first memories, I should say, as a kid, was seeing Ace Frehley inside of the picture booklet that came inside of a Live 2, the big picture um, on the page that focuses just on Ace. And man, that got me so interested in music, and here I am so many years later, 41, <laughs> and um, I guess I was four, so it wasn't 41 years later, I'm 41, but <clears throat> 37 years later, so there you go, uh, Ace Frehley's Space Invader, to me, is my favorite album of the year, again, and again, the top three can be, you know, rotated, because any one of the three albums were just great. Uh, just highly anticipated Space Invader. Really liked Anomaly. You know, I didn't think he could top Anomaly. And to me, my favorite Ace Frehley album is Trouble Walking. And, man, that album is just so strong. And this album is as well. It's another album where... Outside of one or two tracks, you know, that I sort of don't care for, the rest is just very strong throughout. You know, I, I could... Honestly, there are three tracks that I don't really care for and everything else I just really, really like. And to me, I mean, I, I got to, you know, send props to my good friend John Astronomy from Talking Metal... I mean, Mark Striegel has mentioned this a bunch of times. Uh, you really have to applaud John for, for helping Ace get in order. And I think the music on this album just really, really does the, the, the talking. You know, uh, I could have, I mean, honestly, when putting this together, I wasn't sure if I was going to go with, you know, I want to hold you, um, Immortal Pleasures. Past the Milky Way, Reckless, you know, um, Give Me a Feeling, or Space Invader. But there's just the one, this one track that has that Ace Frehley bite, that, you know, the, the stuff that puts trouble walking over the top, the stuff that when people want to, you know, poo-poo Dynasty, I say, man, listen to the lyrics of, you know, Save Your Love or Hard Times or, you know, things like that. Hard Times! Like Dusty Rhodes would say. Excuse me. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, you know, that, that street vibe to it, you know, that 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 dirtiness to it, you know. The track change to me has that all those great Ace Freely just pieces put together with that extra bite. And it's funny because before the album was coming out on a a special um group that I'm in on on Facebook uh, that was started by one Mr. Bill Wang 
there was someone that was, you know, already crapping on the album before it was out because, oh, you know, Rachel Gordon, his uh, his girlfriend is, is co-writing some of the stuff, you know. Um, the, the track, you know, the album is going to be weak. It's going to suck. Listen to Change. She co-wrote it. Fucking track kicks ass, you know. Uh, it's going to be a track that I'm going to be listening to for years and years to come without a doubt, without a shadow in my mind. You know, the album is just so great. Um, check it out, you know, and I hope you enjoy this episode. There's just a, a potpourri of all different types of hard rock and metal. Man, that's just what I'm about. I, I love all types of hard rock and metal. And... You know, don't be short-sighted. I may be short-sighted with certain things. And if there are things that I listen to that people say, you know, you got to check this out. And if I like it, man, if I think it's good, I'll play it. You know, I'll I'll really dig it. Um, If I don't, then then I don't. And I don't expect people to enjoy every single thing that I've played during this episode. But at least I hope you were entertained. I hope you enjoyed it. Going to leave you here with Change by Ace Freely. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and see you real soon right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. Yeah. Yeah.